Howdy, howdy. Good day, Probers. Good day, Mike. And welcome to But It Was Aliens, the extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe paranormal events to determine as to whether they really were paranormal. I'm your host this week, Kevin the Grey, and alongside me, as always, in the co-host seat this week is Mr. Granville Moonwalker. Yo ho ho with a bottle of rum. Don't talk about pirates. That'll make me want to do another pirate episode. That's probably been my favourite one. <laughs> really good fun to research, let alone cover. What, just pirates or that episode? That episode, but pirates more specifically. Ew. Less specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, today our case takes us to Clapham Wood. Where is Clapham Wood, I hear you ask? Well, Clapham Wood is a wood in Clapham. That's in West Sussex. Usually when we cover a case here on But It Was Aliens, we tell you the location and then move on to the events. But today we are doing things a little differently because Clapham Wood is the actual topic of today's probe. It's the location, it's the events, it's all encompassing. The wood where they clap. Clap in the wood. <laughs> clap, clap. For those who don't know, what we call a wood in the UK is basically a wooded area. That's trees and vegetation covering an area. Or a banner. An area <laughs> that is not quite large enough to be considered a forest. Woods secluded in nature are an interesting location for shenanigans and indeed Clapham Woods, particularly since the 1960s, has been linked to lost pets, satanic cult activity and UFO sightings. And not boners. Although possibly boners. Probably <laughs> It's boners. a wood. <laughs> There's probably been some <laughs> magazines in there at some point. So, how big is Clapham Wood? Oh, I really should have put this in the note, shouldn't I? Because I'm, I'm thinking, linked to lost pets, if that's a large area, yeah. I can totally understand why. Fairly large. So, I guess you'd have a park, then a wood, then a forest. Does that make sense to you? I don't really know how to explain it, but... No, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... What's really painful is that... How big is a wood before it's a forest? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I might have put this in the notes, but I probably didn't. But I know I researched it, but I researched this episode so long ago, I went on a little writing spree and wrote like 20 episodes in a week. And this was part of it. That's and a I fucking just, spree. Yeah. I just don't remember it. I have a little image of Clappenwood here so that you can see what we're dealing with. I probably could have just said this, couldn't I, and showed you the picture. I mean, yeah, but it still doesn't really answer the question well you can see that it's as wide as the camera shot yeah but that's clearly not as wide of a shot as you can get it's not start to finish well no width, but you can it? kind of see that it's probably bigger than a park oh yeah 100% it looks quite menacing as well yeah I was especially gonna... with the dark clouds above absolutely as you say this place actually looks a little bit sinister and at the bottom it just looks pitch black mm-hmm I mean... Mysterious place. You would not catch me walking through there at night. I used to live near, when I was at my parents, a park that was considered part wood. And I used to cut through there on the way home sometimes. Yeah, same. Through the dirt track that, probably looking back on it now, people probably don't do so much in the evening. Yeah, probably not. Because all sorts of things could happen in there, but... 
didn't think so much of it at the time. It was normal, wasn't it? It used to be like a 10-minute cut-through to save you a 25-minute walk. Many a night have I left yours and walked through that. Yep. So you say you wouldn't walk through this. Young you was foolish. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this place looks sinister. What's gone down in Clappenwood? Also sinister. Whilst we are going to focus on the 1960s onwards, the book High Strangeness, Hyperdimensions and the Process of Alien Abduction by Laura Knight Jadzik claims that unusual lights and activity have been witnessed around Clapham Wood for hundreds of years. Among these sightings, a moon-sized light was witnessed descending into the wood accompanied by the odour of burning. Moving swiftly on, in 1967, in a village called Rustington, not too far away, two schoolboys, Toy Newton and John Arnold, were pissing around with a Ouija board. Dickheads. Mm-hmm. That is never a good idea. This board spelled out to the boys the words Clapham Wood before telling them that it was a base for spacecraft and that a UFO had recently landed. Okay, they're talking shit now. I should probably tell you about the time I did a Ouija board. What? Hold on. How old were you? Where was it? And was it at your parents' house? Not at my parents' house. (laughs) How old were you? Where was it? Was it at your parents'? About 10 years old-ish. That's fine. It wasn't in a residence (laughs) that I ventured into. It's all good. When you said that the board spelled out Clapham Wood, Mm -hmm. I was going to say, shit, it's going to take them to a body where someone was murdered. And then you just went spacecraft and UFO. And I was like, bullshit. (laughs) This is like the spirit of some Bob Lazar-esque figure who's obsessed with aliens who's <laughs> communicating with children through Ouija boards just needs to share his interests or his knowledge now that he's passed over he knows all in 1967 renowned member of the British Phenomenon research group Paul Glover was with a less renowned colleague when they saw something unusual in the night sky as they walked They were walking together through this wood at about 10pm when this took place. What they saw was a black boomerang-shaped craft moving across the sky at ridiculous speed. Stupidly fast, yet also silent. Paul and Pal then saw a peculiar display of lights in the sky. There were two bright lights one of which released a small object which headed straight towards the other light and entered it. The object then whizzed off as quickly as it had appeared. Glover would report that the men saw about six sightings that night, but this one was hard to explain. Fuck off did they see six sightings. (laughs) (laughs) When was this? That one was 67. They're talking out of their fucking arse, aren't they? Because it was in 1967? That doesn't track. Yeah. I mean, the evidence, you can't go, oh, why don't you just get your camera phone out and record it? Or anything like that. It's just not there. It doesn't stop people from seeing things. Yeah, it doesn't stop people from seeing things. But six in one fucking night? (laughs) (laughs) 
is this the most amount of um, UFO activity anyone's ever seen in one night? Probably not. I mean, I've not heard of more. And I think if more was seen, it would probably be well known. Someone well, saw 72 acts of alien activity. Depends on what you define as sightings of activity. So, for so example. He saw shoot, like five shooting stars and was like, aliens, then, bitch! And a bat. If you consider something like the Phoenix Lights, where there was many crafts repeatedly in the sky. So if you have like eight lights at one time seen five times in the night by hundreds of people, you could argue that that's more activity. Or is that one event seen multiple times? Well, maybe that's exactly what he's seeing. Nah, he's seen six lights, but it's actually the same shit he said. going around six times. That's but one of those six times was phenomenal. It's warming up for the main event. What he said. I call bullshit. Glover. Fucking Glover. Would have his UFO group analyse the sightings, but unfortunately, no explanation could be found. Because there was no evidence. No local flights. No local military experiments. Another quick sighting here. In 1972, a telephone engineer was on the job when he saw a UFO hovering over the woods before shooting off at crazy speed. At this very same time, a couple walking in the wood saw a light in the sky send down a beam of light to the floor before shooting off. I'm just going to show you another photo of the wood here, too, so that you get a feel for this place. Before I have a look at this picture, the telephone engineer, mm -hmm. did he see the light shoot down as well? Or did he just see the craft go? He saw the craft go, as far as I could tell. So he wasn't drawn to the craft by a flash of light in his peripheral vision. I mean, he was further away from... He wasn't in the wood. He was obviously working. Yeah. But still, kind of, he what made him turn in that direction? Was it the smell well, of bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? You've decided you don't like Glover. You've got an issue with a random telephone engineer. I don't know. I mean, that looks like a general wood with a pathway mm -hmm. that i would not walk through at any time of day unless it is very early morning yeah a bit freaky and a lot of light freaky dicky and i need to know how far it is to get from one end to the other and if there's anything in the way if i need to run and if there's a coffee table around that you can <laughs> pick up i'll take one with me just in case so by this point, and indeed continuing for many years afterwards, it was known that dogs go absolutely bonkers in certain areas of Clapham Wood. Smelling the dead bodies. It's, what's your obsession with dead bodies on this one? It's almost as if they can see something that their owners can't. The dogs would go nuts, literally, and begun foaming at the mouth. Mrs. Rawlins of Worthing loved her Labrador dog. She loved it dearly. One day, Rawlins was out walking the Labrador in Clapham Wood. Rawlins entered an area of the wood known as the Chestnuts, and once clear of the nearby A24 road, let the dog off the lead. The dog disappeared into the wood. Shit. But fear not, the dog returned. Bet you thought it was going to go missing, didn't you? That night, Zombie dog. suddenly, the dog became paralysed from the neck down. Rawlins called the vet, but unfortunately, there was nothing that could be done. The previously healthy Labrador 
was put to rest. Rawlins went back to that area of Clapham Wood many times, but never could see what had happened. But something got to that dog. Something got to it. I believe that this dog happened to either roll around or rub itself up against some plant or vegetation that paralysed the dog. Mm -hmm. There is some kind of poison ivy or Venus flytrap paralysing motherfucker out there. Could be an Audrey 2 for all we know. Or an Audrey 3 just going around paralysing dogs. Did they check it to see if there was any fungus or anything in the dog system? They couldn't find anything, but I don't know how thoroughly... They looked. Yeah. Could have been a slow-acting agent. Potentially. I mean, if we're being sceptical, you could also argue that Labradors, whilst they're generally quite healthy dogs, are prone to hip and I think possibly even back issues. So it could have just been something genetic that decided to happen that night after a big run in the wood that day. Wouldn't know. I've not looked up dogs. Yes, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) This was actually one of the better stories of dogs at the wood. Obviously, this was awful, but at least Rawlins got closure in a sense. She wasn't left wondering if the dog was alive. Other pet owners weren't so lucky. There were literally loads of these accounts and not a single pet was found or disappearance explained. Even weirder... Almost every disappearance took place at one of two areas of Clapham Wood. The crossroads where four footpaths meet, situated in the Chestnuts area of the wood, and near the church at the edge of the wood. The aliens were clearly examining their new surroundings, as well as sampling our own DNA from the pets as they took things from these areas. You know, picking up our saliva in the dog hair and whatnot. Among those pets taken was that of Peter Love of Patching, whose son lost the dog whilst in the wood, and John Cornford's collie lost in the chestnuts. There were other animals, such as horses too. Pop! Gone. There's literally hundreds of these damn cases. How would you frickin' lose a horse? What if there's a weird kind of bog area? Almost like quicksand. A damn horse sunk. (laughs) They're going in and they just kind of like sink underneath. So there's like a graveyard of pets and missing animals that have all been drawn like to a this. pet cemetery. Yeah. I mean, One if, it, area. if it exists, it hasn't been found yet, but it's an interesting theory. I mean, are pets still going missing in Clapham Wood? I can't. Rec- there were some fairly recently, but not in the last couple of years, perhaps. But I might mention that at the end. I might not. Wouldn't It'll you? be a surprise for both of us. I'm surprised it's not been investigated now. It has. With like, I mean, this is what we're doing. In terms of video cameras being placed in certain yeah. areas of the <laughs> of the wood. Well, funny you say that because after we finish recording, <laughs> we're going on a little drive. In the morning, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a note here, right? Which says, "How the fuck do you lose a horse?" <laughs> That is not what I read when I glanced it. (laughs) (laughs) Your mind is perverse, sir. (laughs) I'm just going to move on. For any listeners wondering what 
Mr. Moonwalker read when he saw that. You can message him on the Instagram at But It Was Aliens Podcast, and he will let you know and get our account banned. <laughs> anyway, during the 1970s, people working in the area began reporting that wildlife itself quite literally disappeared in the wood. Bird chirps just stopped. Walkers in the area begun being taken ill with headaches and tummy aches unexplainably before being fine once they were out of the area. They walked for a, like, rift. Hmm. During, I believe, 1975, two men were taken ill at the same time. One held his head, feeling as if his eardrums were being removed. The other held his stomach. Both staggered 50 yards before suddenly they were fine again. As you'd expect, Geiger counters were utilised in the area and they revealed slight spikes in background radiation, but not enough to explain these unexplainable illnesses. Dave Stringer of the Southern Paranormal Investigation Group, the SPIG, also took radiation measurements in 1977, and as he did, he witnessed a dark shape of about 12 foot in height and a large white disc that shot past behind nearby trees. Stringer also found a footprint which has been likened to a footprint of the demon or fallen angel Amduskius. Here Amduskius, the demon in charge of the shitty music of hell, is here for you. What I'm trying to say is I'm about to show you a picture of him. So, this demon, or is it a demon? Fallen angel, and dusky. Same thing, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Is a sultry horse. <laughs> Seductive, sultry, one-horned, oh, aka so horny horse. Unicorn, mm. maybe. So we can understand where the horses went. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Duskius has had them. So, do you reckon he paralysed them with his horn, or with the music? Um, has a paralysing effect on the animals. I'm going to go for the music rather than the horn, just because the horn would leave a puncher mark. Or does it? Well, it, it would just punches your imp- soul. Then I would argue it's still the music. <laughs> And maybe the frequency of the trumpet that he is playing hits is, the brown note. Yep, giving people those effects. And then once they're yeah. out of range, all right. Mm-hmm. But even so, it's got some really good balance on that big toe. <laughs> and in that second picture, he looks very sultry. It's basically a naked horse person. Yeah. Basically, a person with a horse's head. In fact. Looking very seductive. With a couple of horns. And when I say horns, I don't mean a horn on his head. I mean like trumpets and that type of musical instrument. And a crown. Why does he have a crown? Oh, yeah. One of the kings of hell. I thought there was only one king of hell. Well, one ruler. You can have several Uh, lords. True. A.K.A. kings. True. Demon unicorn. Mm Mm-hmm. In April 1972, in Clapham Wood the body of an unidentified female was discovered. You kept on talking about bodies and I knew this was coming. 
The case would be investigated by police officer and ex-Royal Marine Commando, Peter Goldsmith. Now, if you've potentially been murdered, an ex-Marine police officer is exactly who you'd want on the case. This is the Jason Bourne of police officers. The case wasn't an easy one, however. In June 1972, there was a development. Police Constable Peter Goldsmith went missing. The good officer Peter had last been seen passing the rolling downs some grassy chalk hills on foot whilst carrying a holdall near a 13th century church situated in Clapham. Yes, that church. Of course, a massive search ensued. It's a copper. Copper's gone missing. Town's going to go crazy looking for him. Is there any evidence of gangsters at this time? Like, I mean, they'd be very good to not I be... I don't seen. think Clapham Wood was a hotbed for gang activity, no. But, I mean, it could be a very good place to hide bodies. I mean, any wood could. I guess a wood with water would be a better bet, but... But what about a wood with a sinkhole? So... Not the sinkhole, but I'm going to come back to your other point in a moment. And maybe this area where animals keep getting lost is they keep wandering near where these dead bodies are. And the They're more whacking people <laughs> whacking on the, the animals. Yep. They whack a dog. <laughs> then, then a horse comes along. Whack the horse. Whack the horse. Because these animals seem to be going they missing might talk. when they're not with other people. Yeah, they wander into the woods and never come out. Exactly. They whacked them. You can never trust anyone not to speak. Six months passed without further news until finally, on the 13th of December, the officer's body was discovered. The body was hidden under an area of thick bramble, less than half a mile from the female's body, in Clapham Wood. Now... What you need to think of here is that people were examining this wood on account of the first body being found. How, how did it take six months for Peter's body to be found? No suspect was ever identified, nor could a cause of death be ascertained. This man would not have been an easy target. He was a former Marine and police officer. Nothing of this earth could have taken him out. Okay. That's a slightly bold claim, but seriously, how was he not found for so long? How? Hidden somewhere where they wouldn't look. You've decided I mean, it's mob now, haven't was, you, and they've moved if him? If he was mob-whacked, he could have been placed in a freezer somewhere and then placed under the brambles. I don't think there was evidence of thawing. There. I take your point, the body could have been moved. He could have eaten even how did i get him under bramble been placed in an open grave at the church or placed in a casket and hidden and then placed there so you're going the body moved theory yeah i mean we don't have a cause of death do we do we get one no i'll move on to the next bit if you want to hear a little bit more go for it so I will just add that in some accounts of Clapham Wood, people don't report on the unidentified female body, but Goldsmith is sadly 100% absolutely true. Moving forward, 
during August 1975, a horse went missing. The horse's owners, of course, searched for the lost horse. Unfortunately, this couple, during their search, also found a dead body, that of older gentleman Leon Foster, who had gone missing whilst out on a walk three weeks earlier. The body did not match the missing time. The rate of decomposition was very accelerated, which forensics officers stated must be down to some unknown factor. Unexplained. How could a body decompose so rapidly here? Unless it travelled through time itself. Or was exposed to some elements. Could have been exposed to something that accelerated. It'd have to be something that's not in this area, otherwise it would have been explained. I mean, what if the ground is is laying in a patch of ground that is actually heated and therefore... How would it be heated? The bog that's underneath Clapham Wood. <laughs> the bog of Clapham Wood? <laughs> yeah. And it's heated. Is that a bog? Or is that like a... I've never been in a bog, so I wouldn't know. Smell bad! From what I've seen here, it's it's like I said with the mob, isn't it? These animals are smelling the the bodies and they're just wandering off to follow the smell. An innocent horse smelt something. All of a sudden they're getting whacked. Got a little bit too close, investigated a little bit too close. The horse was onto people and they had to keep the horse quiet. Exactly. I mean, they probably just took the horse off and whacked it just so it wouldn't come back to this area. So who whacked the horse? A mob. So what have the mob got to do with the warm bog? It might not be warm. (laughs) What have the mob got to do with the bog that might not be warm (laughs) but is still rapidly decomposing bodies? Maybe they've just been moving him from place to place and where he's being moved from, different temperatures, he's being exposed to different environments so the decomposition is speeding up. So now there's no bog, or there's still a bog? Oh, still a bog, somewhere. <laughs> Every house is a bog. You've got to admit at this point that this case is getting a little bit crazy. So much unusual shit is happening in this one location. I'm still never going there. <laughs> at night. In 1981, a Canadian tourist was visiting Clapham Wood for a stroll. This tourist found the missing body of Reverend Harry Neil Snelling, former vicar of Clapham. The good reverend had been missing for three years, having disappeared on Halloween on his way back from the dentist. Many people had walked the woods in that time, in addition to the area having been thoroughly searched on account of the previous deaths. It was almost as if the reverend's body was taken from the wood and then placed back, perhaps via tractor beam, years later. The Canadian tourist, and this isn't suspicious at all, but the Canadian didn't actually contact authorities until he had left Britain, whereby he wrote to the police enclosing the reverend's credit card. This was an honourable Canadian. Again, absolutely true. So, he found the body but didn't want to go down for it himself because he had nothing to do with it, obviously. Took the bloke's credit card and then sent it once he was back home to prove where he was and say, look, I didn't do this, but don't trust you bastards. I mean, this person's been missing for three years. Yep. 
who knows how long the Canadian Canadian had been there. It's going to look more suspicious the fact that you've gone back home and yeah, and then you've gone. You're checking up on like Clapham Wood News <laughs> and the Reverend's still not been found, and you're like, oh God, I'll just make it easy for him. They he's check his here. library card. Yeah. Because obviously, this is 1981. They check his library card and he's just searching everything to do with Clapham Wood he can find. So, how did he know exactly where the body was if he, he didn't? He found it. Yeah, but I mean, when he went back, how did he describe to them where the body was if he didn't have a detailed account of the wood? Well, he was walking through the wood and found the body, so he probably mapped it out and thought, I'm not going down for that. But also at the same time, how did no one else find it if he just walked through the wood? That's a good question. Why was he going so far into the wood? Because you've got to assume this isn't in an obvious place on the edge of the wood, otherwise someone would have seen. Mm -hmm. It's got to be deep and hidden. Was this Canadian the mob boss you're referring to? There are some people are just being led off to die here, aren't they? (laughs) It's getting a little bit crazy, like I say. And... uh, (laughs) On, on this note, this next one is possibly even more horrific than what we've covered so far, so I won't make light of it, nor will I cover it too deeply. In November 1981, the body of a homeless individual with a diagnosis of schizophrenia named Gillian Matthews was discovered six weeks after she went missing. Gillian, why is your emails going off there, sir? Do they not don't, want me to share this? Don't ask me. It's literally the most inappropriate time of the whole episode. <laughs> Gillian had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Just to be clear, I'm not blaming aliens for this one. Unfortunately, though, no perpetrator has ever been brought to justice. I'm going to move forward, well, technically backwards, and I'm stating up front here, which is out of character for us, that I do not agree with the account I'm about to give, but I'm covering it because it's the story attached to the wood. Paranormal investigator Charles Dishonourable Walker was examining Clapham Wood about a week after the Reverend had disappeared. Charles states that as he started to get known by the locals, he received a telephone call from an unknown yet well-spoken man who claimed to know what was going on in the wood. A meeting was scheduled in the wood for 30 minutes' time. It is already late at night. You're new to the area. Mm Mm-hmm. If this is the work of a serial killer, then the last thing you want to do is follow a tip (laughs) and meet someone at night in the woods. Interesting. Where everything's going on. You've now moved to serial killer and from the mob. There's still a serial killer if it's the mob. Depending, well, not on, if it's, depending on who they got to whack them. If it's one whacker. <laughs> <laughs> but if this person knows what's going on, there's mm. a reason this person knows what's going on. Yeah. They've stepped into their hunting grounds, haven't they? Mm, potentially. Charles, no, let's call him Walker. Did he walk or run? Arrived. (laughs) He arrived at the rendezvous point called the Crossroads. Oh, so he met where all the animals are going missing. (laughs) Yep. Situated in the Chestnuts area where that Labrador disappeared. Nobody was there. 
Walker paced, debating leaving. Suddenly, a voice called out from the brambles, telling Walker not to turn around and that it would be dangerous for both of them if Walker saw the man's identity. The unusual man would claim that he was a member of a satanic cult known as the Friends of Hecate. The man explained that Clapham Wood was used for the Friends' monthly meetings. Those missing animals we detailed earlier? Yep. Sacrificed to the Dark Lord. Well, to be more accurate, sacrificed for Hecate. Now, the strange man did not mention any of the murders. Obviously you wouldn't want to implicate yourself, but Walker, being the dishonourable bastard that he is, made a leap and connected it all to the friends of Hecate. The mysterious man would say, There are people in high places involved, holding positions of power and authority, who will tolerate no interference. We will stop at nothing to ensure the safety of our cult. Oddly, this makes sense. <laughs> like, so you've gone from mob <laughs> to serial killer to cult. I'm just going where the evidence leads. So, so you're vouching for Walker. I'm not John, so I don't vouch for every <laughs> like you do. I'm for not every asking John. you for everyone. I'm asking about this one. But it makes sense that if they're taking the animals that are wandering in mm. to sacrifice them they're deep in the woods then fine well not fine but that makes sense anyone that stumbles upon or near what they're doing when they're doing like one of their rituals or something they don't have to but they believe they have to get rid of them therefore they get rid of them they can't have the royal commando police officer investigating into that because then yeah they get exposed mm-hmm. um, what if the horses just wanted to join yeah but maybe they needed the blood we don't blood. allow your kind um the only thing that i can't explain by that is how the two people got ridiculously sick and then were fine once they Maybe some, maybe they were members of the cult themselves and they were doing some sort of ritual where they ingested, be it blood from one of the animals or something else. What if wrong. they are part of the cult? Wild speculation going on here. But they used that to keep people away from that area. They thought mm. that's how they'd get people to stay away. So they weren't actually feeling the effects. No. That's just a story they put out there to keep people away from them. I like it. I like it. I mean, I have no idea where this story is going, <laughs> but without the obviously grisly bits that, are, mm-hmm. and obviously it's real, I wouldn't say it's... No, I'm not going to say it. Well, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole here once I heard there was a cult of Hecate. (laughs) So let me just clarify here. The friends of Hecate have allegedly truthfully met in Clapham Woods for more than two decades, carrying out monthly blood sacrifices. The group reportedly had to find new digs in 1987 after the famous British hurricane which murked Clapham Wood pretty hard. Hecate, by the way, was allegedly an ancient pagan goddess whom was said to be associated with crossroads, where they met, remember, as well as light, fire, the moon, 
magic including witchcraft and sorcery, plants and herbs including poisonous ones, and necromancy. Oh, and dogs. <laughs> Hecate, as it turns out, though, is not pagan at all, nor are they associated with Satanism. Hecate is actually connected with ancient Greece. Nevertheless, Dirty Walker, who, by the way, I have seen articles supposedly authored by in 2001, claims to have found the following painting I'm about to show you, Mr. Moon Walker, on the wall of a disused manor near Clapham Church, a meeting place for the Friends. This image is copyright to Walker, so I'm not sure if we'll be able to share it on our Instagram or not, but maybe we'll try posting it in our Facebook group at Extraterrestrial Towers and see if it lets us. Ah. So Walker is saying so, he found this on a wall and he's kind of suggesting it's evidence of satanic activity in the area. I mean, I don't trust him. That could just be a drawing that he made. Um, <laughs> so what we have here... You don't trust a walker, eh? I don't trust this walker. Is a picture of a man's head who is Simpsons yellow with... It's a side profile. He has what looks like blood to be over him as well. Mm, yeah. And two horns coming from the in, side of his head. He is indeed horny. And there is flames in the background. But... Flames of hell! This is a picture that could have easily just been drawn by somebody. Not... By Walker himself. Taken with a camera or anything like that. And the it's, fact he went to the trouble to copyright it... Yeah. Is a little bit unusual to me it's if that's not done your work. with um, crayon. So he's tried to make some money off this then. Well, this cult business was all detailed in a 1987 book written by Toyne Newton, Charles Walker and Alan Brown. Yes, Toyne, one of the Ouija board schoolboys from earlier. Toyne has since decided to have nothing further to do with this project or case. The non-fiction book was called The Demonic Connection. Walker does also detail an account of going to the wood to investigate, but his wife is struck by an unseen force and is heavily wounded, stating that it was as if something didn't want him to visit anymore. The wife ended up with a cross-shaped wound. Shenanigans! Do we have proof? Unfortunately for those authors, Will Star is hard for the paranormal. In Will's book, Will Star vs. the Supernatural, Big Will would examine those claims and could find no evidence to back it up. There were some less than friendly locals and the odd unusual fire, but nothing satanic. Will explained this as he was sipping a red substance from a goblet. You know... There may have been the Og Sacrifice Cow and Pool of Blood, but there was nothing to suggest a satanic cult. In all seriousness, Barry Stevens displayed further scepticism in suggesting that Walker and Co. made it all up or accepted unproven urban legends without examination to sell copies of their book. I've read excerpts and the book does appear quite heavily dramatised, shall we say. So what they've done is... They've leaned into the actual investigations and killings that have happened kind of. in the wood and attached them to their... Yeah, basically they've course. got a half-completed connect-the-dots image, added their own dots, 
to make it whole. Fucking scumbags. In their book, Walker suggests that Clapham was the site of a curse in 1288 after local Robert Le Falconer lost a case after being physically assaulted and called upon she who knows to damn the accursed village to lead the priesthood to come to know their fate. Regarding the murders, a chap named Jim Withers is stated in some accounts to have gone to prison for all the murders but there is literally no information out there on him or this and the possible victims don't really follow a profile. Walker, meanwhile, has made some outlandish claims, such as having a gun pulled on him and being involved in a high-speed car chase. That painting I showed you earlier, which is available on the Mysterious Britain and Ireland internet site, Walker claims that after taking that photo, he had a shotgun pulled on him. I read another website written by a Sarah Hapgood, which outlined that in 2011, a Brian Pritchard claimed that the barn in question had actually been occupied by squatters and was covered in graffiti, not satanic imagery. We are pretty much there now with this one. So, aliens or curse? Do you believe in curses? This is neither, isn't it? It's just sick human beings. I think we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because we haven't summarised yet, but... Lots of grim things have absolutely happened in this place. Absolutely, and, and people, people have, have taken advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, potentially. So I cannot. I'm say not that asking this you to conclude yet. <laughs> so closing today's you case. Said, <laughs> so <laughs> I said, "Do you believe in curses?" Was what I finished with, and that's all I wanted to know. I wanted you to say, "Yeah, I believe in curses." So you could curse me. Well, I've technically already shared a curse with you from your birthday episode the other year. <laughs> True. Little sweet. Is it Tamino? Tamino. Tamino. That's the one, Tamino. <laughs> Don't stare at me like that. Closing today's case, we've explored Clapham Wood a forest-like area in West Sussex which has been associated with aliens, missing animals, death and cults since the 1960s, though there was activity before this. We covered the schoolboy Ouija board disclosure about the alien base. Also in 1967, Paul Glover saw a peculiar light display in the sky which couldn't be explained. In 1972, there was the telephone engineer sighting of a very quick craft and a couple witnessed a UFO, possibly the same one, send down something resembling a tractor beam. We learned about animal trauma, including Miss Rawlins' paralysed Labrador, many missing dogs and even missing horses, particularly around the crossroad and chestnut area of the wood. It's a crossroad demon. We explored the deaths of an unidentified female, Peter Goldsmith, whose body remained hidden for six months, Leon Foster in 1975 after a couple lost their horse, Reverend Harry Snelling in 1981, whose body had been missing three years, and Gillian Matthews' sad and untimely passing. Why is it every time we talk about that really disturbing case, you get an email? I do want to add that most sensible paranormal investigators consider Gillian's death separate to the paranormal activity at Clapham Wood. I should also add that Walker doesn't connect the missing animals to aliens. No, I don't. 
The demonic connection book connected some of these deaths to a satanic cult operating in the area linked to pagan goddess Hecate, but paranormal investigators could not verify those claims and it turns out that this pagan god is Greek. Granville, are you vouching for Walker? Cursed wood? Satanism? Or aliens? Or something else perhaps? Are you saying that it was aliens? I'm going to vouch for Walker, but not that Walker. You're vouching for yourself. This Walker, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> oh, this twat is a twat. He is just a scumbag. Um, he might actually believe some of what he's saying. Do I believe it's a cursed word? No. Do I believe people think it's a cursed word? Yes. Satanism, there may have been some blood sacrifices or something. Aliens, no. Just, just no. Unfortunately, some terrible things happened in that wood and some people have tried to make money off it. Sadly, if you're going to do terrible things, one of the likely areas to carry out such terrible things or at least to leave the outcome of terrible things is a wood. Woods and valleys, mm-hmm. rivers, that kind of thing. Yeah, sad. Yeah, I'm not saying that it was aliens either. This one, well, it was basically a bunch of bollocks with some very sad events thrown in, wasn't it? Okay, there were some sightings of UFOs, but there are in lots of places. They aren't nearly frequent enough to me to suggest that there is an alien base. Meanwhile, where do dogs go missing? At home or on their walks? That's all they do. If there's a big wood, of course people are going to walk dogs there, so of course that's going to happen occasionally. Some dogs get a sniff of a rabbit and off they go. Fox, off they go. The deaths are very sad, but there's nothing there to link them for me. And sadly, again, as I kind of alluded to just a moment ago, a large wooded area is probably the best area around there to hide a body and possibly even to carry out an attack on an isolated individual away from prying eyes, if you're that way inclined. The book? Nope. Allegedly better paranormal investigators than us have looked at that and found nothing. I did look into Hecate though. Greek. (laughs) Meanwhile, even if a satanic cult was operating, that's still not aliens and arguably not particularly out of the norm in the age we live in. We try to accept all lifestyles here, though perhaps not sacrifice. I guess what I'm saying here is a big, firm nope. Anything you want to add, Mr. Moonwalker, before we say goodbye? No. They probably heard the name Hecate from somewhere else and just thought the people around here aren't smart enough to... Imagine the kind of books that that name would be in. Imagine writing, interested. writing some kind of book, publishing something without even researching what you're publishing. Says us who mention things we haven't researched all the time associated with the cases we have researched. Ironically, in many podcasts on. <laughs> <laughs> True, we aren't. No, we are educational. Screw you, son. <laughs> but yeah, um, our episode that dropped on the 18th of August. I went off on a random tangent about the Calvine photo and we recorded that about two weeks beforehand and in the news, literally the week before that episode dropped, that photo leaked. One of the people involved in, or who had a copy of it, 
popped up in the news and said, here you are, basically. And what the photo looks really, really interesting. Like, that's not the issue here. But on the episode, I'd said that the photo is classified, but I researched it a little bit, and that's not actually accurate. The witnesses are classified for another... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's always the way, isn't it? We mention something in passing, and then something comes out so soon afterwards. It's as if they're trying to fuck us over. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like someone's watching us. Which makes me suspicious about those emails that keep going off. Are you in cahoots? No. Don't be mm. daft. Mibwalker. I was kind of hoping for a ping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you. Anywho, that is a wrap for today, folks. Thank you for listening to... But it was It's been our pleasure, of course. But if you are one of our six listeners... No, that's a joke. We have at least several thousand. Okay, six... But if you want to support the show, well, you can. We have a store over at butitwasaliens.co.uk where you can pick up a little bit of official merchandise to show your peculiar tastes off to the world. There's hats, shirts, mugs, and hats. Did I mention that we have shirts? Alongside that, we also have our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash but it was aliens where you can support the show and each month you'll get access to our side probes each month we examine a non-alien event to determine what really occurred if you have any suggestions of things that you'd like us to examine you can hit us up on our twitter at but it was aliens finally do you like memes we like memes If you want to share silly stuff with us, you can find the podcast on Facebook and join our Facebook group, Extraterrestrial Towers. There, you'll find at least two like-minded individuals who may or may not be me and G to drop silly alien posts with. That's the show. So until next time, where do ducks go at night? The truth is up there. Hash. Tag. Wah, 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 wah. Wah.